I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 474. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. As we get started today, I recognize engaging God's Word for yourself can feel daunting, and while our featured song will give us fresh inspiration as to where to study, the episode guide will give you the interaction tools you need to dig in. So grab your episode 474 guide at michellenizat.com forward slash 474 download. And if you've already subscribed to my email list, this guide is already in your inbox, ready to help you discover and meditate on God's Word in New ways. Sometimes an overused phrase of encouragement can take on new meaning when you look at it in in light of the truth of Scripture. And that's what happened to me this week when I was inspired to explore Scripture after listening to Katie Nicole's song, Hold On. And I can't wait to dive in. But first, let's listen. Hold on. closely to the lyrics, you'll hear that the stanzas are in the voice of the singer, but the chorus is in the voice of the Lord. Uh, The lyric right before the chorus says, so I'll stay in the fight and look to the one who said, hold on just a little longer. And so my first question was, where in the Bible are we instructed to hold on? And so I hopped over to BibleHub.com. This is a great free online resource. Um, for uh, and in the in, in the search box, I typed "hold on," but I didn't I didn't click enter. And so when you do that, it works kind of like any other online search where it gives you a list of suggestions that it thinks you might be looking for. And so when I typed in "hold on," I would I went ahead and clicked through the five verses that it suggested I might be looking. And so Proverbs 4.13 says, hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. And 2 Timothy 1.13 says, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Uh, Revelation 3.11 says, I'm coming soon. This is the voice of Jesus, the words of Jesus. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 20, it says, Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good 
reject every kind of evil. And in Hebrews 3 verse 6 says, but Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. And then finally, 1 Timothy 1.19 says, holding on to faith and a good conscience. So you see, God really is calling us to hold on. We're to hold on to instruction, hold on to the pattern of faith, Hold on so that you won't be disqualified. Hold on to what's good in contrast to rejecting every kind of evil. Hold on to our confidence and hope in Christ and hold on to faith and a good conscience. Hold on, my friend. Hold on. So I'm pleased that this song really reflects the truth of Scripture in its call to hold on and in the way it reflects what holding on will result in. And I say this because not all lyrics are a direct reflection of Scripture. You know, sometimes they can even be downright unbiblical. And that's why I caution you against making your music your Scripture. Rather, let's harness the power of music to remind us what we've studied instead. Now, one of the Bible interaction tool exercises that I like and I call these exercises bites for short. But one of the one of the bites that I like to is to consider the opposite. And when I want to understand something more fully, considering the opposite sometimes brings the clarity I need. So what is the opposite of holding on? Well, it's letting go. And let's consider uh, letting go of all the things that we just learned we need to hold on to. You know, what happens if we let go of God's instruction? What happens if we let go of the pattern of faith or let go and be disqualified or let go of what is good? And if we follow the direct contrast in the verse, then we're not only are we letting go of what's good, but we're going to cling to every kind of evil. What happens when we let go of our confidence and hope in Christ or let go of our faith and a good conscience? And I think you can imagine the devastating results of not holding on. Jesus himself actually gives an example of this in the Gospel of Mark. If you uh, turn to chapter 7 and begin in verse 8, you read this. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. This is Jesus speaking. He's actually accusing the Pharisees of this. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down and many such things you do. Now, I don't have time today to unpack uh, kind of the meaning of that, but I think even if you don't understand what's going on in that section, you can kind of hear what Jesus is saying. Uh, The Pharisees let go of God's instructions. Specifically, they let go of the heart of what God is saying, uh, let go of the heart of his ways. But the thing about letting go is that you don't stay in neutral. You always cling to something new. And in this case, they let go of God's instructions and held on to the tradition of men. Now, Jesus got real specific here, but but don't miss the principle, you know, because even Jesus said, this is just one example when he said, and many such things you do. That's kind of what he's saying. This is just an example. But the principle is that we are to hold on to what scripture says we should hold on to, because when you let go of that, you'll cling to something else. 
And if you've been a listener for any length of time, you know that I like to study larger chunks of scripture. So while this little scavenger hunt sent me all over, I did end up settling in 1 Timothy. In fact, I used one of my illuminated scripture journals to take the bite of marking up the text. And I just I just have to share a few side notes on this. First of all, I'm going to link to the Illuminated Scripture Journal in the show notes. You can buy them in a set. I bought the entire New Testament at a women's conference where they had a major discount, which is why I went ahead and did that. Or you can purchase them one at, the, one at a time. And so the one I use this week includes First and Second Timothy and Titus, and it's less than $10. I think it's like $6.99 or something like that on Amazon. So the, But the way that the scripture journal is structured is that it has text on the left and then on the right-hand side page it's blank. I'm, it, it has like those faint dots to help you write in straight lines, but for all intents and purposes, it's blank. And so as I read and reread pa- Paul's entire first love letter to Timothy, a few things jumped out at me and then thus guided how I inter- interacted with the text. And I'm going to get to the specifics of that in a minute, but first I want to share something that I learned about illuminated scripture on our family spring break trip to Washington, D.C. this year. We spent an entire day at the Museum of the Bible. Highly recommend it. Uh, This is where I learned something that you may already know, but just in case, I'm going to share it with you because it was really cool to me. So I had these illuminated scripture journals, and I guess I didn't realize it was referring to illuminated scripture, and that is what it's called when scripture is enhanced with gold or silver or painted or drawn decorations are added to the text. Mind blown, all right? I just didn't know that that's what it meant. So when I have these ESV scripture journals, and um, there's also illuminated Bibles, they're going to feature drawings and decorations. They're going to use a lot of gold um, in keeping with illuminated manuscripts that showed up in history beginning in the fourth century and beyond. So I even saw um, a presentation of the printing press where the um, the the press would, the person running the press would leave room for like a drop cap letter or other decorations to be painted in after the text was printed on the press. Uh, That was just some history that I found fascinating. And so I wanted to share that with you. So back to the journal and how I used it. First of all, I took the bite of reading in context. And for short letters like this, make it your habit to read the entire letter. Uh, This proved itself to be an important step for me this week. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. Next, I took the bite of repetition. So I read the text a few times uh, all the way through, actually before grabbing my scripture journal to mark up the text. And so when you give yourself permission to do this, you're going to find words or themes that jump out at you that you did not see on first pass. So that's the value of repetition. So for me, the word faith stood out, uh, partially because in keeping with our inspiration song, Paul taught Timothy to hold on to it you know, uh, and partially because it was a repeated word. So I took my scripture journal and a highlighter. I read through the text yet again and highlighted every time the word faith appeared. And then from there, I noticed faith and good conscience were repeated twice by Paul, and both were things he instructed Timothy to hold on to. So I wanted to explore that further. 
So let's read it together. First Timothy chapter one, starting in verse three. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they're saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. So Paul is urging Timothy to stay and correct people in the church at Ephesus. He actually uses the word charge here, and this word translates a Greek word that means command or order or direct or give instruction. Very consistent with what Paul is trying to teach Timothy. Um, He's teaching him how to do this. But notice the aim of the charge, the driving force of the command is love. Uh, Verse five, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So where does this love issue from? Where where does it come from is, is what it's saying. Where does it spring from? Well, it springs from the well of a good conscience and a sincere faith. A good conscience and a sincere faith is the well from which love from a pure heart overflows. And that love is the driving force behind the command. Okay, so keep that in mind. And a good conscience and a sincere faith is also what Paul later instructs Timothy to hold on to. Okay, so uh, verse 18, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding on to faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hermanius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan that they may not they may learn not to blaspheme. Okay, we uh, have a really great contrast in this text to explore as well. This fits right into the idea that we've already uncovered, which is if you're not holding on, you're letting go. And when you let go, you end up grabbing on to something new. So compare and contrast is a bite, by the way, and we're going to do that uh, in the text here. We are still in chapter one. So what does Paul charge Timothy to instruct the people? Well, basically, he wants Timothy to hold on to the original doctrine. Later on in chapter six of this letter, he says, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. And so uh, this mimics something that he uh, teaches the Galatians in Galatians chapter one. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So in verse three, you see Paul reference a different doctrine. And then in chapter six, he in verse three, he refers to a different doctrine. This is uh, very similar to what he says, a different gospel in Galatians. So what happens when we let go of the thing God wants us to hold on to? When we let go of this sincere faith in the right doctrine and we let go of a good conscience, 
what happens? Well, Paul uses words like swerving and wandered. Um, we're back in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they're saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Ooh, that's some strong words right there. So one clue that you have let go of what God has asked you to hold on to is if you are participating in vain discussions and desiring to teach God's word without knowledge. And maybe it's not you who struggle with this. Maybe uh, it's just a good measure for you to use on the teachers that you're listening to. All right. So then Paul goes on to list things contrary to sound doctrine. And I went ahead and took out my pen and I took the bite of making a list and I made it right there in my scripture journal from verses 8 through 11. And I'm going to read that to you right now. It says, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God in with which I have been entrusted. So did you see it? It says, whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. This is not an exhaustive list. It is a representative list of the kinds of behaviors that indicate um, a person who has let go of God's ways and clings to evil. And this is all evil, uh, everything in that list, because it is contrary to God's good, sound doctrine. And the list, by the way, we are in that list. (laughs) Without the covering of the blood of Jesus, we're in there. For we are all ungodly, unholy. We are sinners without Christ. And with Christ, we are to let go of these practices and hold on to faith and a good conscience. Now, another note I made is another purpose statement tucked into the middle of this of this letter. It was just one of those notes I made, and I, I jotted it down in my scripture journal. I'm hoping that every time I pick up Timothy, I'll pick up my scripture journal and add more notes and more thoughts as I allow it to change the way I think. And then the next time I approach the scripture, I'm a different person. And so, of course, it will read differently to me. But verse uh, chapter 3, verse 14, it says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I deliver lay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So Paul is giving uh, Timothy the pattern of faith that he wants him to hold on to and to live out. The purpose of this letter is to impact behavior. And then chapter four includes an impactful description of those who let go of God's instruction. Because remember, it's not a neutral decision. When you let go of God's ways, you will cling to something else. As we see here, we can read it together. Chapter four, verse one. Now the spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith 
by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So he's giving a couple of examples of what happens. But did you notice these words showing up again? Faith and conscience. And uh, this is a description of those departing the faith. And, and teachers with a seared conscience. So you've got this insincere faith and a seared conscience versus a, the contrast. Uh, it's a wonderful contrast to the sincere faith and good conscience previously discussed by Paul. So finally, I want to compare and contrast the bookends of this letter. I got really excited when I discovered it for myself. I can't wait to share it with you, but my deep desire overall is that God will will reveal these kinds of things to you as you study it for yourself. But in chapter one, where we spent the majority of our time today, Paul instructs Timothy to wage the good warfare holding on to faith and a good conscience. And then in chapter six, Paul tells Timothy to fight the good fight of the faith and to take hold of eternal life. Isn't that fascinating? So from beginning to end, Timothy is reminded this isn't going to be easy. It's a battle. It's warfare. It's a fight, but it's worth it to hold on. So what's next? Well, I've barely scratched the surface of Paul's first letter to Timothy, and you can use this episode as a springboard to interact with the text for yourself. There is so much more to explore here. You can mark up the text, make lists, compare and contrast. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on X or Instagram at michellekneezat. On Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, more than a song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network, and you can check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And then don't forget to grab your episode guide at michellekneezat.com forward slash 474 download. And with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers who have subscribed lately, like Lolly from Texas, Debbie from Louisiana, Jackie from Pennsylvania, Brittany from Indiana, Cynthia from Florida, Gabriella from Texas, Jane from the Philippines, Latib from South Africa, Cheryl from Ontario, Canada, and Christy from Texas. Welcome. And don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneezat.com or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a review yet, could you do that today uh, by heading over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song, or just if you're in Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, just hop in there and leave a review for me. Uh, it helps people find the podcast and it encourages my heart. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next time, I will be featuring Praise the Lord by Micah Tyler to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, X, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 474. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.